I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 517 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You don't want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have an awesome guest for you guys today. Kirk Herbstreet is the face and voice of college football. He joined ESPN back in 1995 with the critically acclaimed College Game Day program. He is the most honored ESPN commentator in the network's history, winning multiple sports Emmys. He has covered and continues to cover all of college football's biggest primetime games. He is also the voice of the widely popular EA Sports video game franchise, NCAA Football. Kirk himself was a quarterback in college where he played for the Ohio State Buckeyes, becoming the starting quarterback and co-captain his senior year. Let's face it here, dads, you cannot be a fan of college football and not know about Kirk Herbstreet. He covers the action with class and a style that is unmatched in the sports broadcasting world. He's got a brand new book out titled Out of the Pocket, Football, Fatherhood, and College Game Day Saturdays. The link to the book is in today's show notes. I'm honored to have Kirk on the podcast today. Kirk Herbstreet will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Kirk Herbstreet was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. If you'd like to watch the conversation between myself and the legendary college game day announcer, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, if you enjoyed today's podcast and you are a fan of college football, you got to go check out my interview that I did with Ray Ray Mackle Rathbay, the focal subject of Disney's smash hit movie Safety, which told his true life story. I had him on the podcast not that long ago. I've also had Heisman Trophy winners Carson Palmer and Tim Brown. So go through the archives of the podcast you'll see a lot of dads who played some great college football make sure you follow me on instagram at alec underscore lace for all the upcoming guest announcements if you're enjoying the podcast please hit me with a rating or review it always goes a long way to help me out and as always guys please help me spread the word about the podcast every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list let them know about the show to see us celebrating fatherhood and family life fatherhood rocks family values rule and every day is father's day right here with me and i'm gonna be right back with kirk herb street i'm alec lace and you're listening to first class fatherhood All right, Dad, sports stadiums are beginning to fill up once again. Concerts are coming back, and Broadway shows will be here before you know it. It's time to take your kids to an event and start making memories once again. And there's nothing wrong with saving a few bucks while you do it. My partnership with SeatGeek means that you can save $20 off your tickets by using the promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS, at SeatGeek.com or on the SeatGeek app. Let's go, dads. We've been cooped up way too long here. It's time to start enjoying sports and entertainment again the way they were meant to be experienced, live and in person. Visit SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS at the checkout and save $20 off your tickets. A gift for first-class fathers from first-class fatherhood. Uh, joining me now, first-class father, Kirk Herbstreet. Welcome to first-class fatherhood. Yeah, it's great to be with you. All right, let's start right here. How many kids do you have? How old are they? I have four boys. Um, I, have, I have two that recently turned 21, which is bizarre to think. I feel like they're 10. Um, I, and I have a uh, an 18-year-old and a 14-year-old who's about to turn 15. Yeah, very cool. Wow. Yeah, I got four kids myself. We got three boys, then got the girl on the fourth try. So uh, Good job. If not, yeah, <laughs> if not, we'd have five by now, but we got her. So Good uh, for you. If you could, Kirk, please just, just take a second here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. 
Uh, well, I'm, I grew up in Ohio. I played football at Ohio State. I got into uh, local radio without having any idea of uh, what it would lead to. And I was 25 years old. And I went to work at ESPN, uh, did, did uh, an audition. And um, four or five months later, they asked me to come back. And uh, I've been there since uh, 1996, 1995 um, is when I started. And I worked on College Game Day uh, since 96. So I've been there for 25 years. And then I started calling games on Saturday nights. Uh, first started with Mike Tirico and Lee Corso and then Brett Musburger, and now I, I work uh, Saturday night with Chris Fowler. We call the, the big games of the week on ABC. We call the national championship every year, the Rose Bowl. So lucky enough to, to do a lot of big games uh, every year over the last, I don't know, 15 years. And I'm uh, just enjoying my career and uh, enjoying, uh, enjoying the challenges that are out there. Yeah, you've obviously been crushing it in your career here, especially in the broadcast booth. Now, uh, along this journey then, Kurt, uh, about how old were you then? Take me back to the beginning here. About how old were you when you first became a dad and how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Well, I, I dated a girl through high school and college, same girl for eight years. And then she went off to Chicago to start her uh, career. She got done in four years. I redshirted. And so I had a fifth year, my senior year. And during my senior year, I met uh, my future wife, uh, Allison, uh, that year, and then we got married when I was, let's see, I was about 28 years old, uh, roughly, and my first kids were born in 2000, so I was 29, 30 years old, roughly, right around there when they were, when they were born. Incidentally, they were born, uh, I talk about this in the book, but, but my wife was 20 weeks pregnant. And we went in for our normal routine. We knew we were expecting twins and we were going in for our normal scan. And when we went in, they said, oh, my gosh, you know, you're funneling. We've got a problem. You've got to we got to admit you into the hospital. So she went straight up from that visit straight up to the hospital to uh, uh, up uh, up to I think it was like the 12th floor. And she stayed there um, on bed rest and held on for her life to see if she could she could make it um did not get out of that bed for she held on for eight weeks and so the, my twins were born at, at 28 weeks they were two pounds each when they were born and then they were in the NICU for about another eight weeks and, until they were able to come home and so that was my introduction to to fatherhood and um you know now they're 21 and and uh and doing well but uh i tell you when you're a first-time dad and that's your introduction uh that was that was scary you know even they're in the NICU and you know i didn't realize but your brain when it's developed tells your heart to beat and so their brains weren't developed uh enough so they have the ekg wiring all on and a couple times they would flatline you know you're thinking you know they've died and you'd freak out and tell a nurse to come over and they'd come over and just kind of shake their leg. And then, you know, next thing you know, they'd, they'd start breathing again. But it was a traumatic experience to, to go through. And, um, you know, I know there are a lot of people out there, you know, when, you, when you're when you're a, a husband, uh, you think about your kids, you think about you, your, your wife gets pregnant, you have a baby. And you go home two or three days later and everyone's taking pictures and it's like, oh, my gosh. And, and we did not experience that at all. Um, but I know there are a lot of people out there that can that can relate to that. 
Yeah, and just like you said there, we expect it to be this uh, picture-perfect uh, experience. I've had several dads on here who have had this, you know, kick off their fatherhood journey similar to yours. And I'm just still amazed about, you know, people that have multiples, that have twins, because just going through the four with my wife, I can't imagine there being two in there and just how crazy that is that, that they're able to do it. So um, a wild introduction for you. Now, what would you consider to be the top values here, Kirk, that you're hoping to instill uh, in your boys growing up? Uh, humility, um, compassion, uh, empathy, um, love, uh, love would be an important thing that, that I think, uh, you know, is, is, is something that I think our, our country needs right now. Um, hard work. Um, you know, I, I'm a big believer in, in, uh, in my kids learning that nothing is going to be handed to them. That, uh, that they got to grind for anything and everything that they got to get, that uh, the importance of, of, to me, the person that puts the most in is going to be the one that's, that's going to achieve and, and, and uh, end up being on top. So uh, I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot of things that, you know, as dads, we, we spend so much time on and you just hope, you know, because you go over it a lot and you have to repeat yourself a lot and you just hope that, you know that that they're they're at some point it's it's getting in there and then they're hearing it and that they uh, on their own when they leave the house and I have three now they're out of the house that they they take those values and and it becomes part of who they are and um, you have to trust that you know and uh, that that's what I'm experiencing right now. Yeah, well said. Yeah, my my oldest is 15, so he'll be a, he's a sophomore in high school this year, so I'm in no hurry to get. Uh, to that point, but I'm uh, trying to hold on while I can and trying to get them prepared for, for when they when they get out of the house. So uh, just a little bit more time to go for me. Let me jump into your book here too. Uh, out of the pocket, uh, fatherhood, football, fatherhood and college game day Saturdays. How much of this book here now? Uh, what, what, what can you tell the listeners about the book? And I know you got fatherhood in the title here, which I love. Do you go into your uh, fatherhood journey? Or do you go talk about the experience relationship with your father? And how did that kind of impact you as a father with your kids growing up? Uh, it's it's probably more about um, my my growing up as a kid and my relationship with my dad and then becoming a dad myself and uh, that that's probably seventy percent of the book you know it's it's there, there's some football stories obviously in it but uh, my dad was my hero you know my my dad was uh, um, a football player himself at Ohio State he was a captain he coached with Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler I mean I grew up worshiping my dad and then my parents <clears throat> my parents divorced when I was eight years old and my world was was kind of shattered my dad was out of my life he he remarried I didn't see him very much and it was hard uh, to go through that and I think a lot of people either going through divorce or experienced it themselves can can relate to that it was uh it had quite it took quite a, a toll on me my mom remarried I moved in with my stepdad <clears throat> they were married for two or three years and they got a divorce moved in with my dad and a stepmom who I didn't really know well. And then a year later, they got a divorce. And so, you know, I bounced around and moved a lot. And so it's just really my story of, of what I went through. Um, sometimes you sit there on TV, on national TV with a tie on and a suit, look all pretty and people think you have, you know, this perfect life. And I think my my goal was to just open up and, and be vulnerable and and share some of my my uh, trials and tribulations and some of the things I've been through to hope that maybe others can relate to. You know, I was a painfully uh, shy kid growing up. I'm talking 
painfully shy, like never give speeches. Um, and here I am bouncing around from school to school, media, constantly being the new kid. So that also had a, a, a big impact on me. Um, and then eventually I talk about, you know, going through Ohio State and and supposed to be a guy that's going to come in, a five-star that's going to walk in and start for four years. I fell flat on my face, hit adversity and uh, spiraled out of control. You know, like I wanted to quit, wasn't feeling it, became a cancer on the roster. I was in that place for three years or so and then eventually turned it around and with my dad's encouragement and others' encouragement, I was able to, to make it all kind of come together my, my last year as a captain myself uh, and, and voted most valuable player, most inspirational player by my teammates. And so, you know, there, there's there's just so much that we got into that I, I, I kind of emotionally compartmentalized a lot of it for 40 years and um, kind of opened up some places that I hadn't thought about. And so, like I said, I, I, I was very honest and very vulnerable, and I, I hope people will enjoy that aspect of the book. So a lot of that's about me and my dad and then football, my experiences of football, and then how I got the ESPN job and calling the ABC game of the week. And then my own kids, you know, having four kids of my own and 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 some of my experiences as a dad and how I've tried to keep my kids as a priority as, as my career has grown. Yeah, incredible stuff, Kirk. Yeah, I'm going to out of the pocket. I'm going to put the link in the description of this podcast episode so my listeners can tap the link and get over there. Now, uh, one thing I talk about all the time on this show is the fatherless crisis that we have going on in our country here. Kirk. Our nuclear family units uh, ha- have been broken down here. And you talk about growing up uh, divorce here, divorce there. And a lot of times that's what uh, is the main reason for dads not being involved in their kid's life. How much did, did growing up with those relationships uh, your father getting divorced from your mother and then both of them separately getting divorced. How much did that play a, a factor into your marriage, your relationship with your wife and your kids? Did, did you have a, a feeling like you didn't want your kids growing up that way? Did you want to go the other way? How much of it uh, affected you in your marriage and, and you and you being a father? It affected me big time. Um, you know, I, I think some of my my mom and my dad's mistakes that they made, you know, you try to learn. Uh, the best you can. No one's perfect. I make my own mistakes. I'm sure you make your your mistakes. I mean, we we all fall short, um, but I think we can learn. You know, I think we can try to learn to to try to be better. Um, and I, that's what I did. I tried to take everything. My mom and dad did a lot of good, uh, but they they made some mistakes along the way. And, and so yeah, I, I tried to come in and like one of the things my dad really struggled with was listening and 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 hearing me. Like that, that really negatively impacted me. And I talk about that in the book and I talk about how important it is for dads to, to not just be, yeah, 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 as they're doing something else, but like actually, and it's tough to do. It's easy to say, it's tough to do, to actually turn and make sure you're giving your kids your undivided attention. That's so important. You know, whether you're sitting at a desk and doing work and they're, they're chirping in or, you know, you're in the middle of making a, let's say a chili, you know, and they're chirping in or whatever you're doing. It, it's important to to try to be there and, and to hear them and, and be a part of them. That was something that was kind of traumatic uh, for me to the day my dad died. Um, and so I've tried to do that for my own kids. But, yeah, man, um, I, I'm I'm with you when some of the things you see on social media, some of the things we've seen over the last 12 months about the nuclear family, you're just like, wow, how have we gotten to this point? You know, as a country, we, um, you know, like, like my, my, my wife is a stay at home mom. We're very fortunate for her to be in that position. And you know what? I, I don't know why 
that's that I don't want to say it's looked down upon by everybody, but I don't know why that's not looked at as the most. I think it's the most important job uh, that we have, uh, you, you know, to have a mom at home with the kids, teaching the kids things. It's almost looked down upon like, oh, that's 1950s for a wife to be home and make a dinner and and prepare the kids, you know, and help the kids out with homework or, you know, do whatever it needs to do. That's their home. And it's seven days a week job like they should be glorified not just on Mother's Day, but year round. And sometimes I feel like uh, the women that are stay-at-home moms are, are looked at as, oh, stay-at-home mom. It's like, no, 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 no. That's number one. That's the number one job uh, to me in America and, and should be rewarded and recognized as such, not looked down upon. So, yeah, it, it's just a different world that we live in right now. And, um, you know, you, you just got to do the best you can and, and, uh, and, stay true to who you are because uh, some of the stuff we're consuming right now is not uh, what I believe in and, and hopefully not what a lot of other people believe in either. Very, very well said, Kirk. And I'm right there with you. My, my wife is a stay at home mom. She just recently started going back to work about a year ago too. And I, that was our choice and our decision. And like you said, for some reason, the, the, the stigma of housewife or homemaker or whatever they want to stigmatize it has, as we looked on in a negative role. And there'd be time. I'm a railroad mechanic. I, I'm, I've been doing that for 21 years. And I, there's times I'd be at the job and I, I, I'd be talking to my wife. And in the background, it's just absolute chaos. And I'm just like, OK, let me get back to work here. You know, and it's like, oh, yeah, I, it's it, and then when I would have my time alone with the four of them, it's like then you get a better idea of what what it is all about about. So I have nothing but respect for the moms that are stay-at-home moms. And I wish it would become, like you said, a more elevated position in our society. And, and one thing that you did mention there too, about uh, giving your kids time and listening with the four kids th that I have, one of the things I try to do is make, make sure I have individual one-on-one -on -one time with each one of them, because I know how important that is, whether it just be a walk to the bodega or, to, or just to take a ride with me to the store. I know how important it is. Uh, do, do you do that yourself, your wife? Do you make sure that you have like isolated time? How do you kind of make sure you give each one of your your four kids, your isolated attention. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear you're able to do that because that was very challenging for me having identical twins. Um, yeah, it was hard to break them apart. It was hard to get them one on one because uh, it, as far as my wife and I, if you have twins, you can relate to this. You, ha you have to get them on a schedule, you know, and, and they have to be. It's very, very important that they stay, whether it's when they sleep or when they eat or whatever it is. And so the logistics of trying to get one-on-one -on -one time with, with identical twins, I, I found very, very uh, challenging. It was much easier to take them both somewhere to go get something to eat. The three of us would go get something, or the three of us would go to a ball game, or the three of us would go outside and play catch or whatever it was. Um, but it was hard to get, it was very hard for me. I wish I could go back. That's one of the things I wish I could go back. And I'm awesome to hear that you're doing that already. I wish I could go back and get that one-on-one -on -one time because that's probably an area that I was never able to, to really do, especially with my twins. I was better with, with my, my next son and my, my youngest son. I was able to definitely do those, those things, but the twins, it was, it was tough, but I, I think you're, you're on point. Um, what, you know, could be just taking them to breakfast, could be taking them to lunch, go get a donut, whatever it is, uh, go to the park, you know, you know just small little things. Uh, but man, that time, is so important and uh and building that one-on-one -on -one relationship is so important so good for you doing that yeah i know it seems so trivial to us but it's like for them it's their entire day it could even be their entire week that one time that dad just took just them and they went and did something so i i know how important it feels for them. and then i know we're up against it here but i just want to get a quick hitter on discipline kurt what, what what type of disciplinarian are you as a dad and is that different than the discipline style you grew up with 
You know, I, I go way back. You know, I, I was paddled at, at school. You know, the, the principal one time, I can't remember what I did, but he actually paddled me. So and it was just totally accepted and normal. It was like if you got called down to the principal's office, it was like, oh, man, <laughs> you, you got paddled. Um, and, and no one complained about it. It was just the way it was, it was more on you, not the, not the principal. So it was a different time. Um, I got paddled uh, when I was a kid. It was, in fact, the uh, the paddles hung on the wall in the kitchen. It, and its nickname was the chief on, on, on its handle. It was called the chief. And I, I had an older brother and older sister. And my older brother got the chief a lot more than I did. So I would see that. And it wasn't like abuse or anything. It was just he had to bend over and get paddled uh, two or three times, depending on what he did. And I saw that as the youngest brother, and I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a quick uh, learner. I mean, I, I learned pretty quickly not to, not to do that. So, um, and then when my parents divorced, it was just very, very chaotic, you know, as far as what I was dealing with and different stepmom, stepdad. And luckily, I was kind of a quiet kid that, that uh, I'm a pleaser by nature. So I'm, I'm not like I didn't make mistakes, but I tried to do the best I could to not make mistakes. Um, and then as a, a, a dad myself, you know, I'll be honest, um, not having my dad in the house, uh, probably impacting me and me learning from him when I was in my teen years, especially. So I had him from from the time I was born to the time I was about eight. And after that, it was here and there I'd have him in my life. So I didn't really have a, a, a good um kind of a, a, an example of, of uh, boy, I'm, this is a great example. This is how I'm going to be as a dad. Now, he was loving and he was a, he had a great way about him. But as far as like, man, now I, I'm bringing twins into this house. I'm a dad now. Like, I, And honestly, my coaches in my life probably impacted me. Uh, my high school, high school coaches especially probably impacted me more than anybody on how to, how to be a dad. And so I, I, I was – you know, kind of a disciplinarian. I was, um, hey, I'm loving, I'm nice, I'm easygoing, I'm fun to hang out with. But you know, I got certain certain areas that that are kind of you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna set me off. You know, pouting or whining or complaining. Uh, th- those are areas that just I, I struggled with as a dad. Um, so blessed, so so fortunate. Um, we have so much to be thankful for. So let, let's not complain. Let's not whine. You know, let, let's not do any of that. So there are times you could touch my buttons and, and kind of get me to go from zero to 10 and get upset. Um, but I, I I was not a timeout dad. Let's put it to you that way. I was not you know, go sit in the corner. Now you really go over there and think about what I, I just I didn't come from that world. And, and I didn't really feel comfortable uh, with that. I'm not saying that it doesn't work for other people, but that that was not my I was more of a a sheriff or, you know, like the big grizzly bear that, that's home, you know, just, to, you know, my kids, I think, um, knew that when I raised my voice that it was like, okay, dad means it kind of thing. But, uh, I don't know. That's a, that's an, that's a, that's a, such an interesting topic in 2021 with, with, uh, parenting and, and different ways of doing it for different people. But I, I definitely kind of drew a line in the sand and let them know that this is this is these are the rules that you need to follow. them. And they were I'm lucky. I had great kids. So I was very fortunate. 
Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, my, my kids all respond to discipline in different ways. And one thing I usually try to suggest to, to, to newer parents or parents that are kids are just becoming teenagers. We've done the, um, uh, I think it's Chapman is the author of the five love languages. And I know they recommend doing that with your wife, but we've done it with our with, with our kids. And it's really been eye opening to see how they receive and give love. And it's, it's really give us a good insight into how to help discipline them a little bit better, too. Because uh, I got one, you could spank them all day long and it ain't going to really phase them. The other one's just just the threat of it will be enough to straighten them out, you you know, so and, and it goes back to the whole fatherless thing and, and not having that father, not having that discipline. I, I was a kid who grew up, you know, I would rather my, my the police get me than the, my father get me. You know, that, that, that was the way it was. And uh, <laughs> I think if if you don't have that and you find that fatherhood figure not in coaching or some guys find it in the military, they find it. Uh, if you find it in the street, it's it's leading to these disastrous situations we're seeing in our society. So, so uh, true. last last thing I want to hit you with here, Kirk, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast. What type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? Uh, wow, there's so much. You know, I think I, I just I would be very careful. Um, I'd be very careful with uh, the world we live in. It's scary, you know. I mean, I know you 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 especially know this because your your kids' ages, you know, they're probably just getting phones and on social media and Snapchat and. Um, you know, I, I think you you got to be really careful who is going to socially influence your kids, you know. And so the ages that you have them from the time they're born till you know, whatever it is, depending on everybody's set of rules, 10, 11, 12 years old. You know, you just got to be consistent with with setting those those morals and those that, that moral compass, um, you, because eventually they're going to be out there. I don't want to say in the streets, but they're going to be out there consuming things and seeing things you can't protect them forever you know so you, you got to allow them to go out there and live and, and be a part of what their friends are doing and hanging out and you're not there and they're in someone's house someone else's house and so i'm just i'm just very very big on taking advantage of the consistency that you have but when they're younger and just pounding that home uh the importance of, of what you think uh the, the, like i said that moral compass is and and making good decisions, being there for them, loving them, making time for them. You know, I was a guy that I knew when my kid had a, a science project due. I knew that he had a math test on Tuesday. I knew that he had a game on Thursday at four. Like, I, I, my wife didn't tell me that. Like, I, I, I knew. I, I lived in the front row of their lives. I thought it was very important to participate in whatever they were doing as often as my schedule would allow it. I was going to be there, you know, and I think the more you can be involved and the more you can be there, the more you can participate. Uh, you'd like to think the more they're going to appreciate, man, my, my dad's there, you know, my, my dad listening, my dad's, he's asking me about this test, you know, he's, he's involved. And I, I think that's the greatest gift you can give your kids is, is to be involved in their lives and, and not have to be so busy with work that your wife's relaying, Oh, Hey, uh, Johnny, Johnny has a game tomorrow night. Don't forget. Oh, my gosh. What? The game? Where? What? What? You know, I, I didn't want to be that, you know, and I'm, and I'm not condemning people that, that live such a busy life that they can't be there. I'm just saying for me personally, I wanted to try to to be involved and, and to be there. So that that's probably the, the biggest things I would tell them. 
Yeah, I love that message, Kirk. I don't I don't think kids need participation trophies. I think they need participation fathers. So I love what you say there. I love the message. Out of the pocket, available now. Link is in the description of the podcast episode. Thank you. You're a first-class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. You got it. I'll take care, buddy. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Kirk Herbstreit for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. If you want to check out Kirk Herbstreit's new book, Out of the Pocket, the link is in today's show notes, so don't miss out on that. Make sure you're following me on Instagram for all the upcoming guest announcements. Next week, I will be joined here by Dr. Ben Carson. That one's going to be a banger. Find out who else will be joining me here. Uh, follow me on that Instagram account. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers. Your half-truths and tales As tall as a tree's But it's all feeling